The way you were taught that the right way to find your future spouse is dooming your chances from the start. You were told that what healthy people do is just see who you meet. If you like someone and they like you, start hanging out. And if there's mutual attraction, then the next level would be to start having sex. But for as long as possible, you must avoid any talk of defining the relationship because in our culture, trying to get clarification about someone's level of interest, what their intentions are for the relationship, it's seen as outdated, controlling, and clingy. You know if you bring it up, and I'm talking to women here, you might get dumped. So if you're into this person that you've been sleeping with, you go along feeling one way, in love, hopeful, terrified of rejection, but acting another way. Mm, it's cool, I'm the cool girl, nah, whatever. See you when I see you. And then hope to God they decide they're into you. And this whole fragmented courtship idea seems to work for other people, but if you have attachment wounds from growing up with neglectful parents, if you were never loved properly, then playing this cool girl game would be like, this terrible prison you put yourself into. You think the other person is requiring it, but actually you did this to yourself when the whole thing started. And all your emotional energy is pouring into a relationship that may have been doomed before it even began. Okay, my letter today is from a woman I'll call Bridget. And she writes, Dear Fairy, I'm a product of an unstable home. Both of my parents came from volatile, violent, and abusing families, and this impacted them. Okay, I've got my fairy pencil. I'm going to circle things that I want to come back to on a second reading. But let's read through Bridget's letter all the way through and see what's going on. All right. She says, My father is an alcoholic and a narcissist, and my mother was depressive and codependent. I grew up with a lot of instability, aggression, and pain. Despite this, I managed to forge a life for myself that I can be proud of. Of course, everything is far from perfect, and I still have a lot to achieve, but at 33, I managed to have a career as a freelancer in a very niche market that brings me a lot of joy and fulfillment, and I moved to another continent where I'm building a stable and secure life. However, in my love life, it seems all the dysfunctionality keeps resurfacing. <laughs> I know how that is. And it's horrifying to me that I can't seem to undo old patterns and find love. I've been through a myriad of horrible relationships, abuse, and heartache, and this has only added to my abandonment issues. My last relationship, which is the one that has me writing to you today, was in a lot of ways very different than previous ones. I met this man who was always very kind to me, and we initiated a courtship that was very casual at first. However, with time, I started developing deeper feelings for him, and it came to a point where I had to confront him about where the relationship was going. And this resulted in us breaking up because he had recently left another long-term relationship and was not ready for commitment just yet. He was honest and respectful during the breakup, but it still left me devastated. At the time when I confronted him, I truly believed when I told him if he couldn't give me what I need, that he needed to set me free so I could find someone who would uh, meet my needs. I'm also well aware that even though we got along greatly and he, was, he has a lot of good qualities, there are a lot of things that make us a less than perfect match. We don't share a lot of the same values. 
and we don't have the same vision for our lives. For example, he really wants kids while I'm sure that I don't want to become a mother. So all of this should be enough for me to know that this was a relationship that had great things but didn't work out and, and I should move on from it. But this is not what happened. I'm still stuck in this pain and I can't let go of the feelings of rejection and abandonment. I've been in a downward spiral ever since our breakup and fallen into old self-destructive behaviors. It's awful because it feels like I've learned nothing, that I haven't healed one bit, and I'm always going to be stuck in this cycle every time I fall for someone. It also doesn't help that friends don't seem to understand why this situation has hurt me so much, which has made me feel even more isolated and alone. I would really like your help in this situation. How can I separate the rejection of today from the rejection of the past and find confidence that I have made the right decision in confronting him and not getting swallowed by the despair of being alone again, once again? Your guidance would be much appreciated. From Bridget. Okay, Bridget, I got you. Let's go through again. I'm going to come back to things I circled and talk about what you told me about this situation. All right. I noticed you used the word unstable three times. Unstable. That's interesting. Like that's not an uncommon feature for a traumatic home for a kid, but just that you used it three times. I just feel like stability is something you really need and you're very aware that you haven't had it. And so both your parents came from these terrible situations, childhoods, and your father is an alcoholic and a narcissist. Your mother was depressive and codependent. It sounds like maybe she's passed away. Um, and you grew up with a lot of instability, aggression, and pain. That's horrible. Bridget, that's horrible. That's not right. That would, do, that would create problems in relationships for anyone but you managed to forge a life for yourself. Yay! And you're proud of it. And um, you're 33. You have a career as a freelancer in a very niche market and you get, you have a lot of joy and you move to another continent where you're building a stable and secure life. There's that word stability again. So good. You've got a stable life and you're secure. Interesting that you moved a whole continent away from your family. And um, I am proud of you too. 33, like to have that level of of, um, you know, self-development going on. That's fantastic. And it's so normal for us to have a really developed part of ourselves and then a struggling part of ourselves, right? That's really normal. And for it to show up in relationships, I just totally get it. I totally get it. And I think that has, of course, it has a lot to do with the way you were raised. But what can you do now? What you can do now is what you're doing. You're, 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 you're sort of opening up the, you're lifting the veil on what the heck's happening here? Why am I having this pattern? So terrible relationship patterns, the gift of them is that when they're a pattern and you're old enough to have, to know that, to kind of see, shoot, the same thing keeps happening over and over again. You know, when it just happens one time, you're like, oh, that guy's a jerk. I'll do better next time. It happens twice and you think, oh, I'm just unlucky. Third time. You know, you start going, uh-oh, okay, something's up with me and I can't see it coming and it keeps happening. And that is a devastating and frightening realization. There's a powerlessness to that, you know, like I don't even know how this happened. And I hear you. I believe you. You didn't know how this happened. So I'm going to try to see if I can hear in your language here where I see it happening, where I see this sort of little um, blank outs. You know, I was going to say self-deception, but I don't think it's that active. I think it's just like, there's this little like unconsciousness flips in and goes, Oh, can't see it. Can't see it. And that's what we do. 
and you can stop doing that. And we do it by talking about it and talking about it frankly. You feel horrified. You have abandonment issues. Abandonment's such a drag because, you know, you get an attachment issue and it makes you get into a relationship really fast and you don't ask all the questions you need to ask, which is where I'm going to go with this letter, I'll tell you. Um, but abandonment then makes it so you can't leave even when you already know it's bad. You can't stop loving them even though you know that it's going nowhere. So yeah, that's what happens. And as I understand it, there's a huge brain component. Like we know that trauma in childhood creates dysregulation. We don't even know the half of it though, about like everything that goes on. There are changes that go on in the way that we respond. The, the way that anybody responds to, you know, that like feeling of falling in love or becoming attracted to somebody, like it is so primal, like nobody has dials on it of how to control that. Nobody does, but you throw trauma in the mix and you're basically, you know, you're like this tender soul at the mercy of all this stuff going on in your wiring that's causing you to attach prematurely and to commit without reason. That's basically what's going on. And I think sometimes knowing, you know, there's a name for what you have. It's complex PTSD. There's a name for what's happening to you and it's attachment, you know, attachment disorders. I don't like the word disorder, but you know what I mean? I can't even diagnose you with CPTSD, but let's just call it childhood PTSD. You have trauma from childhood. It's affecting your relationships. Anybody who thinks they have that, by the way, I have a quiz where you can check against 12 really common symptoms that that's happening for you. And it's down in the description section if you want to check that out. It's on the free tools page of my website. That's always linked down there. You can go right to the website, Crappy Childhood Fairy, and go to the free tools page or look at all the other stuff going on. You said, I met this man who was always kind to me and we initiated a courtship that was very casual at first. So I just want to tell you the word courtship has a special meaning. And it's getting to know somebody with an eye toward marriage. And you told me as you, you know, gave me the details on this, there was never an eye towards marriage. It was very clear from some key facts, like, like being on a different page about whether or not to have kids, like right there, this relationship is doomed. At that level of disagreement is too big a thing. You just can't date people like that if, if what you want is stable, loving relationship with somebody whose values and whose life goals match yours. So here's the harsh thing, and this will scare you as a person with attachment wounds and abandonment wounds, but don't be scared. Take it from me. It sounds scary, but it's actually, it's the fastest route to that loving, stable relationship you want. But you need to draw the line. You need to get very clear on who could possibly be that right person for you and identify the characteristics of someone who is and someone who is not. There's a line there and you do not date people below that line. If they don't match things that are important to you, like have to be available for a committed relationship, a marriage even, do not want kids because that's not what you want, you know, <laughs> really, really loves you and gets you because, because you're you and that is the most wonderful thing. That's the person they want to be with. Um, as people have often said in our comments, if a guy likes you, if he loves you, you will not be in doubt about it. You're not going to be in doubt about it. So I'm proud of you that this came to question, but here's what happened is you were already involved with him for quite a while before the conversation came up and, um, you started developing deeper feelings for him. So you said it was casual. You had a casual courtship with him, but then you developed deeper feelings. I assume it was a sexual relationship. And then 
it came to a point where you had to confront him. That's kind of a rough word about where the relationship was going. So I want to put a different model in front of you where as you're getting to know somebody, you're maybe, you know, no more than the third date. And, and the first date is coffee and the second date is coffee and a little, you know, muffin. <laughs> and the third date might be a lunch, right? You don't, you don't want to go too fast. When you've got these wounds, you go very slow. This is what I call structured dating. I teach it in my dating course. You can find that one down below too. Very slow allows you to keep processing what's happening and get real with it and to have supportive friends who you can check out what you're experiencing with and keep getting a reality check so that you don't slip into that unconscious state that is so common for us when stuff gets stressful. And what's stressful is dating somebody and thinking maybe they don't, they're not on the same page. So guess what? You get to find out before you get all into somebody. Now, it's possible to be very disappointed after three dates that have, you know, gotten as far as lunch with somebody. I know that can be hurtful. But if you haven't slept with somebody, you have so much more space to like think and decide and exit without a lot of pain and activation of your wounds. And oh, that's a good thing. So I really suggest going slowly for somebody with your wounds. You go very slowly. And honestly, People who are serious or good potential partners for you, they will love that about you. It communicates that you're high value. You know, if you've seen that on videos online, I don't really like that. Like some people are not low value, but just very desirable is the point. It's very desirable when somebody is, you know, is not rushing in, is not just like ready to open up their entire life to somebody else. That's a red flag for a healthy person. So sometimes we have to act as if. <laughs> we act as if we don't have these wounds operating and we just follow the roadmap of somebody who is not wounded like that. We follow the roadmap so that we can get results that are similar. And the thing is like when your trauma is most vulnerable as in the early part, well, I'm not going to say that. Let's, there are other things that come up like childbirth, which is not going to be your choice. And also getting married or when there's like a threat to the relationship, somebody cheats or something that can all activate old stuff, a hospitalization. But one really big rocky bumpy time is getting into the relationship because all that, you know, magical thinking is kicking up with all the, the neurological activity of falling in love. And it's, you know, driving a big narrative and a whole bunch of like emotional needs are coming up. And if your emotional needs are still just kind of like loose ropes hanging off something, you know, because they never got met, they're going to go, oh, blah, 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 and then wrap around, wrap around somebody who comes into sight, who seems good to you. Right. And that can really freak people out. <laughs> I know it freaks them out. If you, you know, are just too into them at first, it doesn't feel right. It feels a bit like off to people and it, a red flag appears and people who have a little bit of like, you know, health around that are just like, Oh, I see a red flag. You shouldn't be into it that fast. So slowing down is attractive. Slowing down is wise. And so then you have a chance to know it's not courtship until that is the expressed intention. So people sort of get to know each other. You can get to know people casually. But I don't, I, I don't encourage casual sex. Like sex is really never casual um, for somebody with an attachment wound. And it's going to immediately produce, you know, strong feelings and needs around that that may not fit the situation. And when you don't know somebody, you're very likely to get hurt. So you can have that differently, even though you're just going to always be living as somebody who had a childhood like you had. When you've had time to get to know somebody and that relationship has formed into something truly loving and committed, then when sex finally happens, 
It's like, even if you kind of freak out and cry or, you know, feel like you need to run away, there's, there's going to be a way to talk about it. There's going to be a way to understand the whole relationship is going, isn't going to end. You know, you would have had a lot of understanding for each other about what might come up because little versions of it would come up. Like that's a, that's what stable is. That's what stable is. So stability requires slowness. And we're just, you know, we're living in a time where it just seems like it ought to work that you could rush in. And there's this idea and there's always commenters. They're like, you know, there's nothing wrong with casual sex. And I'm not really commenting on what everybody wants to do. I'm talking to people with attachment wounds who are writing to me and saying, like, I'm getting my heart broken and I can't see why. And that's, that's what I see. And I, I pick letters of people I relate to and I have something to say based on my own experience. Like sometimes people write and I'm just like, oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I've never had that or I haven't succeeded at solving that one yet. But this one I have and that's how I did it. So I thought it was interesting that when you talked to him and wanted to know where it was going, you had to break up because he... It's weird the way you said it. This resulted in us breaking up because he had recently left another long-term relationship and was not ready for commitment. He was honest and respectful. Okay, but I just think like if he was seeing you all this time and presumably having sex and he wasn't ready for commitment, I don't think it was that honest and respectful. I don't think that any person should ever assume that they can just have sex with somebody when they're not available for the whole relationship. Like... I realize like two people will totally consent to not talk about that, but why? And it's usually because one of them doesn't want to deal with it because they know it will be a deal breaker. And the other one doesn't want to bring it up because they know it's going to be a deal breaker and everybody just wants it to kind of hang together. But on some level, you know, on some level, you know, that fear you're having, that anxiety you're having, it's because you know. So, all right, I'm going to say, this is the hardest thing I'm going to tell you. All right. But when somebody says, oh yeah, I'm having, I've been seeing you all this time, but actually we, I, I don't want a commitment just yet uh, because I just left another long-term relationship. That's, see, people are kind. They try to be kind and they try to make it about that. But what it is, is that some of us will have a relationship with somebody we really just are not that into. And I, it's been my experience that men, some men, most men, they're very capable of that. Like if a, my, it's funny because my husband and I were talking about a situation like this last night over dinner and my 19 year old son, and we were talking about it. And I think it was something that had come up in the comments in YouTube. And, you know, my whole family works on crappy childhood fairy. So we, we see things and we were talking about it. And, and my husband said, oh, I wonder, you know, somebody said, well, how could somebody act so nice and then leave me? And this comes up a lot, right? You'll see it in the letters a lot. And then leave me and not care. And, um, my, and my husband said, hmm, I wonder, I wonder why. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> Still, I was like, how could it be? And he's like, well, he just said, basically, like, if women are just offering sex and they're not going to ask any questions or require anything, there's a lot of guys who will be like, mm, okay, all right. Emotionally, they seem a little better equipped to handle that. And, um, and so it can work for them. I wouldn't say everybody. I think sometimes men get, get their heart quite broken by this kind of thing working the other way. So it's not a hundred percent, but you're writing to me and I think you're having a man woman dynamic here where, you know, he's just happy to have companionship and sex and, and 
Yeah. But then he's like, oh, yeah, no, I just got out of a heavy relationship. So, you know, you didn't know you were in a doomed relationship. Doomed. I mean, doomed because it can't lead to commitment and that's what you want. So that is a doomed relationship. Had you had this conversation before you even had, you know, lunch with him, you would have had your answer about him and you could have saved so much heartache. And this is what I'm going to suggest to you is that you get very clear about what you need and prepared to speak up for it and walk away when that's not what it is. That's really all there is to it. It's easier said than done. I know because what your mind and your attachment wounds are saying, it's like, I better say, you know, I better accept this because it's all I'm ever going to get. And, you know, it took me four months before I even met anybody I liked. And what if nobody comes along? They will come along and they will come along and you'll be emotionally available. You'll be emotionally available because you're not all strung out on somebody who's not into you. And so whether it's after a relationship has ended this way or it, you know, it's still going on, I just really, for people who want real love, the sooner you can get out of this half-baked BS, the better. Every time you get out of a half-baked relationship, you've just taken a giant step toward true love, even though the thing in front of you that you see is that you're alone on Saturday night. Alone on Saturday night is pregnant with possibility. So... You know, it's a, it's what you need now is friends. I, I always recommend to people learn my daily practice techniques. They're free. You can learn them down below. They're on that free tools page of my website. You can learn and try these in less than an hour and they help to cope with the emotions that come up. Cause when you have gotten kind of hooked on somebody and you're having trouble letting it go, it's a lot of emotion, right? It's fear. It's not going to be okay. It's resentment at yourself that you screwed up somehow. And so you might know intellectually that you, you didn't, you know, you did your best, you're good, but it's coming up and it needs to go somewhere and you can get it out of your head where it's going to spin around. If you have CPTSD out and on paper, get a break from it and start to have renewed and refreshed thinking and feet and emotional states, new, better, truer, real, present time, right? So that you can make great choices in your life and start to have fun. And you need fun and joy. Without fun and joy, the, you know, some crappy relationship starts to look like the best offer there is. No. If you're having a bunch of fun with your friends, you're just like, meh, this guy, meh, you know, who needs it? So I'm glad he, you know, was kind and all that. I just really appreciate that you told him, like, if he, if he couldn't give you what you want, commitment, he needed to set you free. So I just thought what was interesting is your passive language that he sets you free, that he, he just sits there and like holds you on some sort of I don't know, leash or something and he has to set you free. But, you know, he, he doesn't have you on a leash. He's just hanging out. He's just being him. He sounds like the sort of person who was capable of being honest about where he's coming from had you asked earlier. So there were good qualities, but it was different. And I would just pat yourself on the back that you dated somebody with good qualities. You got clearer about how much you need to know these certain things in advance. Like, is there a potential for a future? At a certain point in life, I don't know, you're 33, right? You probably had some painful things before, right? You said you have. So if you want to stop having that, you can just start like really owning about owning what you want. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to pretend like... Oh, don't worry. I'm not going to get all these expectations on you or anything. No, have expectations. You know, your life is precious. The love and partnership that you have to give is like gold and diamonds. And somebody would be so happy if you would share that with them. So don't waste it. Don't waste it. You just got to kind of start to be a little bit more systematic about this. You're not it. Okay. Whoosh. And 
no staying friends. If you have these attachment wounds, staying friends, it just keeps you kind of enmeshed with people. And it makes, it, it drains away the emotional energy, the emotional availability that healthy people can sense. Your light does not come on when you're all kind of, you know, connected and friends with all these people that you kind of have feelings for. And it's not really great for their pot potential partners too. You know, for some woman he's going to end up with to be all like, you know, why are we hanging out with your ex? So, you know, we, we, we start to act like, like your great grandparents here, you know, just starting to be like, we date, it didn't work out. It's over. We move on. That's how people used to do it. Okay. There's wisdom in some of that. Not everything they did was brilliant, but that part I think is really good. And they had trauma too, right? They had trauma too. You've been in a downward spiral. I hope this encourages you, you know, just knowing like you're normal, your abandonment wounds are up. There's this thing called abandonment melange. I want to make sure you know about it, that when a relationship ends, even when you know it wasn't great, even when you set the boundary that made you made the whole thing like not work anymore, good job. But then your abandonment melange kicked in. That's all. And I would suggest to you reading the book by Pete Walker, CPTSD, From Surviving to Thriving. He defined that feeling. I've never heard it spoken of till I read his book. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that feeling. Even when I was like 15, I called it the terrible feeling. I knew the feeling, but it was when something ended or somebody rejected you, me, this feeling of this, it's, it's these three terrible peak level relationships of panic, rage, and grief. And it's, they, they come together to feel like the world has come to an end. Like you have been kicked out of Eden. It's a terrible feeling. And you can reduce that by 50% right away by knowing there's a word for it. And it's a thing. It's not actually what's happening. Your feelings are not in response to what's happening. It's just a phenomenon that happens to people who were abandoned as kids. And so the first step toward healing it is naming it, recognizing it when it's happening, and then having your paper and pen to go to, to get those feelings out and then having supportive friends who know what abandonment melange is. And that is something, you know, in crappy childhood fairy world, a lot of people know what that is. We talk about it a lot. You can talk to people here in the comments. If you want to go deeper, I have my membership program. People talk on our secret Facebook group. They do the daily practice together on zoom. So there's so many ways that you can connect with people and get that support so that when you're taking a, a nosedive down emotionally, it's like, I don't know, I should call them. I just, think, what's wrong with me? Right? <laughs> you connect with your friend and she says, nothing's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with you, Bridget. You're good. You're really good. You're just having abandonment melange. I know it's hard. And when you have somebody who can like mirror that for you, oh, you never have to go down to that terrible level of feeling again. It never has to be so bad as it was before. It gets better. It gets better. And the more days that you spend feeling better, being more like regulated, making better choices, it adds up pretty fast to a very happy life. And if love is what you're seeking, it's bound to find you when you're in that good state. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.